Every day during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today I'm spending 10 minutes or so with Hugo and World Fantasy Award-nominated artist and writer Kathleen Jennings, who joins me from somewhere in the Far East. Hello, Kathleen. How are you? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> How's the Far East treating you? Oh, it got, got chilly and windy today, which meant that I walked out the door and I was like, ah, should I have worn three-quarter-length sleeves instead of short sleeves? <laughs> I have to say, you know, obviously listeners don't get the scare quotes around those two, two <laughs> concepts, because of course... In... I tried to put it in my voice. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course, in Queensland, you know, cold and chilly and wet and windy are kind of like warm and kind of humid. The question is never, do I need a jacket? The question is, I have all these lovely jackets. Will I get heat stroke if I wear one today? <laughs> and nine times out of ten, the answer is yes. <laughs> so how are you? How is the great and terrible pause treating you? It's been pretty hectic. I'm well. I'm well. And in the broad scheme of things, very well. And even Queensland's gotten off fairly lightly compared to so much of the rest of the world mm. so far. Uh, it's been... Definitely a busy time. I do a little bit of tutoring at the uni, so having to switch to online, given that I work with writers and publishers and readers, that hasn't stopped. Yeah. But the sense of time did. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me a little while to get back to a sense of reality and being able to concentrate on words of more than two syllables. And then yes, waking up one morning, I was like, wow, wow, I have a lot of, a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> So are you finding yourself able to, to to read, to work, to function and to focus? I couldn't for a while. I was doing what I had to do with the university switch, but as a, being able to concentrate, especially on books on screen and I'm doing some research at the moment, being able to read anything up on jurisprudence and legal philosophy. <laughs> I was like, let's, let's not. <laughs> uh, and it took a little while to be able just to settle and concentrate. And I have learned over the last few years, I've hurt my back a couple of times and been on painkillers at various points. And I've fortunately learned that there are books which work better at certain times and there are styles of writing which are more possible at certain times. So okay. I was able to get get my way back into it. Okay. Well, actually, that sort of segues because what we're here to talk about is what you're Right, reading and whatever else at the moment. What are you reading at the moment, if you don't mind telling us? And critically, is it any good? <laughs> I think it's been doing what it needs to do, which is probably the measure of what's good. I'm just looking at my list of books here from the last month. I, I went, I went deep into Regency romance mode for a little bit there, which I actually find modern, popular. Very short, very light, Regency romance, novellas by a number of authors I know is often the perfect fiction for getting through a rough pace and getting back into reading again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was doing a lot of that. And then I had a large box of novellas from Tor.com, mm -hmm. which I had not got to for various – well, last year I was reading for the World Fantasy Awards, so I had a big backlog of other books that I hadn't got to or books that I wanted to revisit from that. And so – the novellas were just a really nice length again for shifting back into into reading and since then um been reading more manuscripts for people I'm doing some illustrations for Juliette Morellier and the Tallow Wife Angela Slater's next book in the Sourdough Bitterwood Bible sequence 
So reading manuscripts, which again, drawing my way through something was a great way to concentrate. And uh, I'm in a book club as well, which is a Georgette Heyer specific book club. So we read predominantly her Georgian novels. And next month we are doing one of the crime novels, but predominantly her Georgian's regencies. And it's a delightful book club because we all know we like the author and we've all read most of the books. So there's a higher chance everyone will show up and have read them. And we can have those really in-depth conversations and bounce around between her books and compare it to others. But the core group of us who show up the most often nowadays, we decided to, now that we were more heading into the more minor hairs, <laughs> add on an extra bonus book each month for anyone who wanted to do it. Uh, books that we like the same way we like hair. So we've been doing you know, Diana Wynne-Jones and Eva Ibbotson and did Sarah Cordwell's Thus Was Adonis Murdered along with Georgette Hare's Black Sheep this week. And, and that's a 1980s Woodhouse, uh, Woodhouse-esque murder mystery set among hapless young barristers in London and Venice. And it has one of my favourite first lines of the book, which is, Scholarship asks, thank God, no recompense but truth. <laughs> so I've been reading a lot of that. A little bit of folk horror and Paul Cornell's Chalk and You Let Me In by Camilla Bruce. Yeah. Uh, and then Sisters of the Vast Black, Lena Rather, The Monster of Ellen Haven, Jennifer Giesbrecht. Um, just really enjoying the novella length. And yeah. I'm always fascinated by this the range of that between shorts, things that feel like short stories, but you just get more time to enjoy that world and things that feel like novels that just took less time to read than you expected. And I'm also hoping that this month, after about a year on it, <laughs> I will finish reading Geographies of Fear, Mapping Risk in America, <laughs> which was published in the 90s. So it's all about people exporting very basic maps and having to draw on it in MS Paint in order to add in risk vectors and things. It's very interesting. <laughs> sounds like it was published in the 19th. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> let me let me ask you, you're obviously busy reading. Are there any – what kind of things would you recommend to people to read at the moment? We are well into the pause now. It's getting less pause-like, at least here. It depends where you are in the world. Are there particular kinds of things, you know, sort of uh, challenging reads, rewarding reads, comfort reads? Comfort reads for me are the lighter crime. Really enjoying the Hamish Macbeth <laughs> novels, actually. The, the lighter crime. I find I do not like crime particularly in which the detectives are struggling with the demons of their own past the whole time. It's like, that is the way I read it. I read it for the same reason I watch air crash investigations. It is people who are competent at their job restoring order from chaos. So I quite enjoy light and cozy crime for that reason, mostly because there's very few, there are some other books and I'd love recommendations, but very few other genres in which it is just someone largely not changing their personality, being competent at their job and getting whether that's, you know, gardening or cooking or whatever happening this all time along the way. And I find that a great comfort read. I really like, personally, I find the Regency romances that bend towards comedy of manners yeah. and some of the modern rom-coms which have that DNA in them are really lovely for that sense of know, a tightly constructed 
world and plot that is just joyful. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to when I am concentrating on slightly longer books to getting back into some more <laughs> military space opera and things, which is basically <laughs> the same genre, really. <laughs> I um, ended up writing a paper about Georgette Hare's influence on space opera, which is vast and fascinating and fun. And it's just also that sense of glee. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting back into that. That's in terms of comfort reads. What were the other types of reads? <laughs> well, the, well, well, there are. You know, it's like, well, although I've been chastised from using the comparison, it's the Proust and Pratchett, Pratchett kind of thing. Are you going to go mm-hmm. off and re- read sort of four, three, four volumes of Proust in the original French and improve yourself as a person, or are you going to go off and read something just for just just for fun? Because oh my God, look at the world. I think I've been reading just for fun, partly. Partly because it is comforting, and partly because it's easier to it's easier to stick with it. I think. Yeah. Deep and weighty thoughts require a bit more concentrated effort sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That said, I'm getting into needing to read a lot of jurisprudence. I'm looking at law and contracts in fairy tale fantasy for my um, PhD topic. <laughs> so I've got I've got a lot of very <laughs> Words of definitely more than two syllables <laughs> to start concentrating sure. on again. Uh, I, I love, for example, Dickens' Our Mutual Friend mm-hmm. is a book that I like to revisit. It's, it, it is a fairy tale novel and it's quite consciously a novel constructed on fairy tale logic as well as being the princess bride of Dickens' novels. Uh, there's, there are a lot of books more broadly that I'm looking forward to read, including a number of, um, sequels and things to sequels and prequels to books that I read last year because reading for as I said for the World Fantasy Awards was amazing for many reasons but one was realizing how easy it is to get thoroughly invested in a middle book of a trilogy when you haven't read the first one like good writers can do that I was like oh okay this is okay then I do need to go back and reread. I'd quite like to read um, Michelle Baker's Borderline I really enjoyed what she was doing technically as a writer with a great deal of glee in um, no, Borderline was the, well, the one I read. So the one before that. Whichever one I read last year. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Borderline's the first one. Anyway, the Arcadia Project. Uh, so technically, but gleefully, what she was doing as a writer in that book, C.L. Polk's yes. next book came out this year. I really enjoyed, well, won the world fantasy. <laughs> enjoyed Which mark? Which mark? So I'm looking forward to reading the second. I do have Storm it here. Storm Song, yeah. And then there's another book coming out as well, Unrelated, in about October as well. From, Excellent. From, from them, yes. And then there's a few other genres I suppose I wasn't terribly aware of. There was, wasn't, I'd like to read some more non-English, American, Australian fantasy. And there was a bit that came through, but obviously a lot of it is not translated. Uh, I'd like to track down a little bit what's happening in the <laughs> only other language I do speak well enough to be able to read stuff in it without huge amounts of assistance, um, which is German, but so again, still quite European, but um, I'd like to read a lot more translated and international fantasy, but also there are just these subgenres which I kind of forgot existed or just never see in Australia, like Weird West. <laughs> and um, that was one. There's a whole... I mean, it's almost a subgenre of haunted LA freeway novels <laughs> for some reason. I was like, I could kind of get into this. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good Tim Paris books that are worth seeking out in that space. 
Oh, I, yes. Uh, team pack one. Uh, off, off ramp. I want to call it off ramp. Alternate routes. Alternate routes. Thank you. Uh, which I enjoyed. I spent the whole of that one going, I can really feel a literary metaphor underpinning this. And given the sheer prevalence of it in the genre, plus it was the 200th anniversary last year of Frankenstein. So it's going to be, it's always Frankenstein. It's going to be Frankenstein. And getting further and further into that book and going, it's got to be Frankenstein. It's always Frankenstein. It doesn't feel like Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the point where you realize it's of its metamorphosis. Yeah. Which is, of course, canonically one of the only three books that Frankenstein's creature read. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this as well, because it's the other thing we sometimes talk about. You have, you know, been obviously engaged in an effort to confuse everybody. You're safely, you know, put in your, you know, in your spot. You are a, a widely recognized, award-nominated artist, and then you decided to go do something else. You know, you had short fiction at last year, like The Heart of Owl Abbas, which was terrific. So let me ask you, what's happening in Kathleen's world? I mean, in terms of just stuff, creatively speaking. So, yes, definitely attempting to confuse everyone by writing a book and illustrating it at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've always been a reader and a writer. And before I became an illustrator, being a writer was how I thought I would take my mark upon the world. Then accidentally became a lawyer and Mm -hmm. have always written, have had short stories out from time to time over the last 10, 15 years. In fact, there's a reprint of a nine-year-old story, which is loosely related to my upcoming novella that'll be coming out by the time this airs, it'll be on tour.com as a reprint. So it's about nine years old. But illustration and the visibility of it and the fun of it. I enjoy writing, but it is frequently solitary. It's much easier to force people to look at your art. (laughs) (laughs) And to see, to get feedback that quickly. So I think I developed earlier as an illustrator for those reasons. And then I just really enjoyed getting to draw on everybody else's books. (laughs) And I also have always enjoyed academia. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, I went back and I last year finished an MPhil, which is like, don't tend to have it really that much in America, but it's, it's not a, it's not a master of fine arts. It's basically a half size PhD research. I'm sorry. My That's phone okay. is ringing. Sorry. Shall we pause? No, no, it's fine. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, Do you want to answer it? No, it's only spammers have the number, so <laughs> It'll, they'll stop in a moment. Yep. Let's stop. I'll make, Sorry a note about to, that. <laughs> I'll make a note to edit that out, so don't worry. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so I went back and did an MPhil on the uh, visual evocation of the beautiful sublime in Australian Gothic literature and wrote illustrated the novella as part of it because I was looking at the written visuals, but also the way authors used physical visuals. So the art referenced in Picnic at Hanging Rock and the um, dresses and fabric descriptions in The Dressmaker by Rosalie Hamm, but also at Sean Tan's Tales from Outer Suburbia to the extent that gets into Australian Gothic territory. And so I wrote and illustrated an Australian Gothic novella, ornamented an Australian Gothic novella as part of that. And that is the book that's coming out from 
tour.com in America and from Picador in Australia in July, at the end of July this year, Fly Away, which is, which is very exciting. So it's been quite odd illustrating my own work. I don't usually do that. It's been lovely being involved as an author with a lot of the people and processes, bookstores that I know as an illustrator. Uh, enjoyable, confusing people, fascinating working <laughs> out how the pub- publishing works just from that slightly different angle. But otherwise, I'm still working on writing, yes, started a PhD on jurisprudence in fantastic story worlds, and I'll, it's practice-led as well, so I'm working on a longer mythic fiction novel as part of that. Mm-hmm. But still illustrating a lot of people's books, working on project for sure. Juliette Marillier, for Angela Slater, um, a lot of the, the usual suspects and some new ones. <laughs> well, indulge me for a second. What's the elevator pitch for Flyaway? The elevator pitch for Flyaway is basically, I keep telling people, it's terrible things happening in small western Queensland towns. <laughs> but essentially a story of a person who has grown up in a small town in country Queensland, believing that their life is a certain way, quite quiet, quite reserved, and then discovering that their memories, not only of their family and the history of their region, but of their own life are not perhaps as clear cut or even accurate as they thought they were. And in consequence, digging up a number of the stories that infest the region. So, while it is definitely Australian Gothic, I've also described it, depending on the circles I'm talking to, it's also very much a novel with the engines of fairy tale. Okay. Fair but enough. I uh, hope uh, an awareness of what happens to fairy tales when they get transplanted from their native soil. <laughs> <laughs> to a small western Queensland town. Yes. <laughs> well, look. Flyaway will be in good, frankly mediocre, and even bad bookstores near you here in Australia, in the United States, hopefully everywhere in the world where where you're listening to this. Please keep an an eye out for it and and pick it up. But for the moment, Kathleen Jennings, thank you so much for having made time to talk to me today. I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. It was lovely talking to you.